Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the Sexy Lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters. And we all deserve it. We sure do. So, do you ever find yourself frustrated by your partner's unwillingness to receive pleasure unconditionally? Does this make you feel like you're not as good a lover as you thought you were? On today's show, we're going to be talking about pussy and penis praising and pleasuring with touch techniques that might help your partner relax and get into receiving pleasure without shame or pressure. This might be just the advice that you've been waiting for. Oh, yes. I love talking about pussies and penises. This is going to be a great show. But first, we're going to talk about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex, but nobody wants to sleep in that fucking wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% leak-proof and waterproof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils to silicone lubes and all other sexy wetness, you just have to throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket, that's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, great sex starts now it sure does and so does today's show and today we have a special returning guest you know we're carol and david this is the sexy lifestyle and we're so excited to welcome her back amy baldwin is a sex and relationship coach and a certified sex educator as well as a co-owner of a mother-daughter owned online pleasure boutique called pure pleasure shop amy has a passion for promoting shame-free pleasure-focused sexual sexuality education. And we're so happy to have you here, Amy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me back. It's good to be back on your show. Uh, yay. And taking time out of your busy day. It's all, all oh, great. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life with COVID-19 and how it's changed your sex life, oh, your relationships, that's... and just general work things. How has it changed? Let's see. Uh, I actually got in a relationship uh, a year ago, so pretty much right before COVID-19, thank goodness, Um, although we did have a a month-long breakup, break, whatever you want to call it, in uh, June, uh, which was quite challenging because he was my primary support system during this time, and so I was really, really feeling for a lot of the folks that are um, are single or feeling really isolated, um, and I know what that feels like, and I've also been really grateful to have a partner throughout most of it as well um my sex life didn't my sex life itself didn't really change that much due to covid um i guess maybe we have less sexy getaways and we have more sexy nights here at home and sexy staycations and things like that uh we went, went to the caribbean you know right before and had a nice little getaway but now that's that's shifted um one fun thing is i we did an online play party, an online sex party, 
there's this local group here uh, in the Bay Area. I live in California, and they usually do in-person sex parties, like 200 people and obviously they're not doing that right now during COVID-19 and I had been once or twice before and my current partner had never been and now they're not doing them but now they're doing them online so his very first sex party was an online one with all these different screens so there was like 30 or 40 different screens of all these people winking themselves or having like you know some, some people in Maui having a threesome and you know all these and people chatting little in the chat box and all the little the sex sounds now they the- uh just oh, so they did they did it really well they just they discouraged back and forth conversations but they said turn on your mic when you were making sex sounds and then turn it off otherwise if you didn't want to be heard or seen but it was yeah it was hot and my partner cool. thought it was quite sexy wow nice. and did you participate or were you more voyeurs we were we were both. We oh. definitely did both. So we had our we had two different camera angles, and we were watching. But then we were just in our own little world with our little red light bulb on to make the room feel super sexy, mm-hmm. and kind of got lost in our own own world. And then would watch all the other people. So a little bit of column A, a little column B. Wow, nice. very nice. nice. And so that that seems like you've adapted quite well to this COVID situation, and that you found some relief at least uh, for those things that you can't be doing every day or every weekend, however you choose. Well, at least we have this online world. It really does change. There's just, it's, we're missing that connection piece, right? You just really Mm -hmm. can't get that deep connection piece that we get when we are in person, whether it's flirtation or dating or a sex party or your, you know, a therapy session. Um, And, and you can, I mean, you can still, but at least we have this, You you can get some pieces of it. You can get a lot of it, but there's, I really, I am missing that wildness that was just getting a whole bunch of people together and being sexy and ridiculous yeah, with well, a massive group. Being swingers like we are, um, that's one of the things we've missed the most. Not necessarily the sex, but the friendships and the people and going out and having, you know, those great face-to-face conversations. Yeah, it's okay to do it virtually, but, you know, we normally travel a week a month and we meet all a bunch of different people and people that, you know, you only see once a year or once every two years. And it's it's one of the things that we have uh, definitely missed the most. We haven't traveled since last January, but I think for this winter, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, we're going to be going and spending a lot of time at Hito. Yeah, that's going to be Woo! great. Yahoo! So let's get into the show. Talk to us a little bit and just quickly how you got into this realm of sexuality and that you started your podcast, The Shameless Sex Podcast, with your co-host, April Lampert. Should we shout out to April? Yay, April. She's, ac- she's actually working a real job. <laughs> yeah, she's working a real job. We miss you, April. Go yeah. make that money yeah. for me, Sasha. <laughs> we joke that we are non- non-sexual life partners. We're pretty, we are also pretty convinced that we so we're somehow... Uh, connected in past lives we were like some sort of warrior goddesses in past lives um i'm 35 april's 37 we've been friends since our early 20s and met working in a restaurant here in santa cruz we were waiting tables and instantly became best friends over a conversation about spanking and fell in love with each other and uh as friends um and uh i got into this sex industry specifically the sex education industry uh, via taking a sex ed class in community college when I was 18. Uh, one, the, t- the teacher was terrible they, they, in regards to making it an exciting, spicy topic. They certainly did not do that. Uh, but I still loved every second of it. So I was like, okay, if I love every second of this, reading this big textbook, learning all about you know herpes and STDs and all these you know anatomy and all these different concepts, 
Um, but yet this, this professor can make it so dry and I'm going to spend so much time going to school. Uh, I might as well go to school for something I love and I chose human sexuality. Um, I also already kind of had a knack for talking openly uh, about sex and relationships. I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, so you don't need to know much more about that. I own a sex shop with my mom uh, online and my upbringing was a little more open-minded uh, in regards to sex. It was not a shameful thing. It was not, I'd never got the wait till you're married, any of that nonsense. Um, I got that you're probably going to do it someday. So go. To, let's, let's talk about how you can do it safely and I'm here for you. Um, and yeah, just the Cliff Notes version was, I uh, went to school for psychology and human sexuality, became a certified sex educator, started teaching sex ed workshops, became a sex and relationship coach. So I also work with clients one-on-one, uh, well now mo- mostly virtually on their sex and relationship stuff. And then the podcast, um, April and I, I actually brought April, my BFF, into the sex toy industry. I was, I just, I mean, I wanted her and I was like, you, and she's a, it'll go, I don't know what episode number it was when she was on your show in the past, but everyone go listen. She's quite entertaining. She's like me on eight cups of coffee with a little more humor and play. And, um, <laughs> she's just fun. And she's a social savant in my opinion. She can just do anything and work with anyone. And I was like, you you, she didn't even want to own a vibrator. Like you will do so well in this world, this industry. So I gave her her first vibrator. She was the manager at Pure Pleasure when we opened the shop. I introduced her to some other folks in the sex ed industry or the sex toy industry. She got hired right away. And we've been for the last, you know, eight or nine years working on the manufacturing side of the sex toy industry uh, where she works for Hot Octopus, a masturbation sleeve, but they do other rechargeable sex toys um, company. And I work with Uber Lube. And then we started the Shameless Sex Podcast by, um, let's see, April got divorced, and I went through a heartbreak, and we went on the Sex with Emily podcast, and it was um, the topic, or the title of the podcast was Orgasms, Squirting, and the Year of Anal Licking, and it was one of her <laughs> best episodes I can of imagine. the year. I can imagine. Yes. That's awesome. And so we were like, let's go start our own. Wow. So we did. Wow. And I love the topic of shameless sex. And I guess that's really going to be one of my first questions is that, I mean, in general, sex educators want to teach this shameless sex attitude to people so they can have a great sex every time they have sex. But do you feel that there's a main reason or what do you, do you have to overcome the shamelessness first? And, and why do you think people have that shame surrounding sex? Uh, I think that it's been here forever and ever and ever and it's been it's given to us i uh, the example i like to use is thinking about not sexualizing but thinking like if you get a little two-year-old right they all they want is pleasure and joy right they're like that feels good pleasure they want to rub on their genitals or put in their mouth or or they, they just want the things that feel good um and then society their parents people start telling them what they can and can't do that's wrong that's dirty that's naughty that's your no-no spot don't do that here don't you can't do that till you're older that's gross and so they get these ideas especially when it comes to sex uh about what you know they get shame these these stories these thoughts these beliefs about who they should or should not be as a sexual being and it's very much uh socially constructed and based on all kinds of things like religion and politics and you know for centuries upon centuries and i won't go too deep down that rabbit hole but and we get it all the time and we all have it and shame and, um, and even trauma as well. And, um, I think that 
it, there's an opportunity instead of looking at shame as something that, oh, I hate it. And it's the worst thing. I never want any of it. Instead, it's more of an approach such as uh, shame, shame can be a teacher. So, yes, I don't love the shame. It gets in my way. Why is it here? Where did it come from? And how do I move through it so it doesn't hold me back and feel like armor anymore? Mm -hmm. And that's the work that we hope to inspire people to do on our podcast and that I'm constantly doing for myself and the shame that I've had from the past and also that stuff that comes my way in the future in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And we get it from all different angles, whether it's from our parents or from uh, school and teachers and friends and, and family who are all shaming for some reason or another on a sex topic, uh, every single type of sex topic. But do you feel like it affects men and women equally? Yeah, and, and also in different ways. But yeah, everyone has their version of shame. I mean, if I think of genitals, think of how many women I know that have pussy shame and they think that their pussies smells bad or looks ter- looks uh, it's not pretty or it's not perfect or not symmetrical or the color's off or the labia is too big or too small and how many uh, penis owning individuals think that there's something wrong with their penis. It's not big enough. It's, it's uh, too small, too big, too veiny, too this, too that. It doesn't get hard enough. It doesn't get hard when I want it to. Shrinkage. Ah! So I think that we all have it in these different forms and I don't I honestly don't believe that there's one human walking on this planet that hasn't experienced shame around sexuality in some way shape or form or if, you, if it's not sexual it's your body or gender or something there's something there because it is a highly vulnerable experience mm-hmm. and do you feel that it's getting any better these days compared to let's say when you first started out and started learning about sex Oh, when I first started learning about sex, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends when was that, when I was like 14? Well, <laughs> I, I kind of meant when you were learning it at, at university, but anyways, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so in, within the last, you know, 15, 20 years, I would say, um, yeah, it depends where you go, though. It, in, in there's there's sometimes, most places I'm in, I the most locations, they're like, wow, okay, we're moving forward here, we're opening up, we're expanding, You, you there's more, under, people know what LGBT means, LGBTQI, oh, wow, they're like learning more about all these different ideas and, um, and concepts and identities, and yet I'll still go to some places where I am baffled just baffled by the fact that people have these old, old beliefs. And one of the old beliefs that I see no matter where I go is just that the idea that this is just how I am. Mm-hmm. That belief drives me crazy. And, and, and you, it could be, and I'm saying it as uh, it drives me crazy. Cause yes, there's a way that we just are who we are, but it almost like a cop out, like, well, I'm not, willing to work on myself this is just how I am or that's not normal you know like well that's not my experience so that must not be normal um that is everywhere still and so yeah we're ahead we're moving forward and we I think we still have a lot of work to do it's a little bit like in marriages where people believe that after x number of years as the sex drive and the sex wants fade out that that's just the way it's supposed to be and we're going to spend the last 25 years of our lives without having sex as yeah. a, uh, with my partner and that's such a bunch of crap. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, lots of people getting divorced these days and I have a lot of single lady friends who are like, Woo! as uh, the divorced men are coming around <laughs> and they're coming out of those relationships. It's not just men, you know, and there's, there's women too. I know plenty of heterosexual couples where um, women are like, my partner doesn't want to have sex with me as much as I want to have sex mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is this idea like, well, you just, 
or but think of the terminology settling down mm-hmm. like who who wants to do that let's just go and like turn the dial down just you know nor- live the normal everyday life la 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 and there's no aliveness and no vibrance do you and find that's when yeah do you find um as well when you used to travel a little bit more like us do you find that people um that you're interacting with are a lot more open to talking about sexuality and alternative lifestyles, you know, swinging, open marriages, kink, because of the fact that it's a lot more available online with movies like Fifty Shades of Grey or even shows like Two and a Half Men who were talking about, uh, you know, a threesome. Yeah. And, and it was her and two guys. Do, do you feel people are opening up a little bit more? Yeah, I think that there's, again, just more awareness. And it yeah, in mainstream media is doing a... A good job in some ways and you know some ways there's it's not the best but there's you know netflix shows where they're showing more experiences of transgender folks or um you know it, there's just more more diversity in the mainstream media uh, and, and they are doing it in some empowering ways uh or, or in the kink world and things so yeah i think it is uh, helpful in that way with there there is a level of awareness that people are opening up to i think people still will have their judgments like the, their first step is the opening oh here's a thing that's new to me and then the second step is how do I feel about it oh I feel kind of weird about it or uncomfortable and then some people just become a kind of a victim of their feelings about that instead of like all right but wh- why like why is this so uncomfortable or so different you know, why is see hearing about someone liking being tied up and a man being tied up and spanked by you know a, a woman wearing like long latex black boots right why does that freak me out so much and i think that that those are the freeing questions that um a lot of people still are not asking Mm -hmm. themselves right and i'm sure with your work you also deal with a lot of trauma which also clogs up a whole bunch of things in people's minds and and stops them from having great sex so what kind of things do you work with when someone approaches you with trauma that they need to work through it depends on the level of trauma. So I'm trained in um, a method called Hakomi, which is a holistic psychotherapy method that doesn't have anything to do with sexuality, but it, but it applies to everything. Um, and so there's some light trauma training training in there. I wouldn't call myself deeply trauma-informed. So if I had someone that came with a ton of trauma, sexual trauma, uh, I would refer them out to... Uh, a Hakomi therapist or an EMDR therapist um, or some sort of, or even like medicine therapy, some um, well-practiced uh, therapist that has a lot of trauma experience. Um, if someone has just light trauma, and we all do, I mean, or maybe not all of us, but most of us, because we can have trauma from, you know, consensual acts of, uh, consensual sexual acts that we, that didn't really feel good, but we still said yes. Mm-hmm. And we just pushed our boundaries and we kind of hurt ourselves in that experience. And then we have work to do because that can, um, you know, harm or numb out our, our bodies. So a lot of the work I do is to help people figure out what, when did the shift happen in your body? Where did it happen? What's happening in your body? What's feeling painful or numb um, or pleasurable? When, where are you stuck and where do you want to go? Um, and a lot of that is helping people just kind of unpack the old beliefs and stories and then almost like repave the road to who they really are or who they where they where they want to go and who they want to be 
Now, I know you probably don't have any stats on this, but what do you think is a percentage in general of people who actually do seek help? Because I know trauma in any type of way, like you said, is is everywhere. But how many people actually, do you think, actually take the steps and go to help themselves? I would say it's lower than, it's less, less likely, it's not it's not a lot of people, right? Yeah. I think because we have accessibility is an issue. The in, in I know a lot of people hold back because of money. They're, you know, all right, it depends where you live. I don't know. Maybe in Canada it's a little bit better, but here, you know, in the United States, it's a little it's a little tricky, and it can be expensive to to go find a really good therapist. Is expensive, even if you had insurance, it probably won't cover the best therapist. Um, so there's that one. Also, a lot of people have a lot of fear about it, about being seen, about being judged, or maybe they've had a bad experience with therapy in the past. Like they were forced to go to therapy as a kid or they went to therapy with their ex-partner and the therapist sided with their ex-partner or something. But, um, yeah, I don't know the stat, but I, I, I would love to see more people going and seeking and there's so many types of therapy a lot of people think of it that like you laying on the couch like so tell me how you feel and that's <laughs> so old school we have so many new modalities of therapy that are um are so different and embodied and really helpful well this is all amazing stuff we're just gonna ask you to hold that thought for a minute while we get back to uh, our show in a bit and we're just going to remind everybody that we are carol and david this is the sexy lifestyle we're talking with sex and relationship coach amy baldwin from the shameless sex podcast all about giving and receiving pleasure and the problems that are caused in it we'll be right back after this so you know people have been asking us what's changed after four years of doing the podcast well a lot has but to be honest the orgasm gap still remains a challenge for many couples you know what i'm talking about men tend to finish before their female partners you've heard us talk about promescent for years their urologist developed fda compliant delay spray can help men last up to 64 percent longer without loss of sensation and it's great because promescent is quickly absorbed into the penis and it doesn't transfer to your partner. And speaking of your partner, I think we can all agree that sometimes women, even when alone, still have challenges around reaching orgasm. So now, promescent has created a female arousal gel. I love it. It's a clitoral stimulant that she can rub into her clitoris for increased pleasure and a lot more satisfaction during pretty much any type of sexual activity that you can think of. Absolutely. So now they've got promescent delay spray for him and arousal gel for her. So basically, they're closing the orgasm gap on both sides. And remember to check out their amazing lubes as well. Yeah, trust us. Try these amazing products and you'll thank us later. Seriously, just write to us at ask at carolyndavid.com and tell us how it went. So try Promescent today. Just go to the website www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Yeah, and now, and especially for a limited time, if you enter Sexy Lifestyle 15, you'll get 15% off every order. And remember, tell your friends too, that's Sexy Lifestyle 15 for 15% off. Alrighty, we're back. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we're going to get back to our show with sex and relationship coach Amy Baldwin from the Pure Pleasure Shop as we continue our discussions about sex, desire, and pleasure. Before we get into all those points, let's get to talking about what is the sex drive or the libido, and how can we measure our sex drive? We all sometimes worry that we're either we have too much sex drive or too little sex drive, and what kind of, how would you know if you're normal? 
Ooh, the, how do you know if you're a normal? Mm. The, first of all, the word normal, I'm like, let's throw that out the, the door. We're done with that word, normal. Um, and, and, and I'll still use it at times too because it's a big question that we all get and you all probably get this from your listeners all the time. Am I normal? Am I normal? Um, I, I don't like to say that there's a normal standard for a sex drive because we are all different. And in fact, you know, there's asexual people who they don't, Feel this the same kind of sexual attraction, sexual um, arousal that some other folks might feel, right? So that's just an example of how some folks are different, and a lot of it is based on hormones. Um, but so yeah, libido and desire—it's that feeling, it's that drive, that that like hunger, that craving. Maybe you feel it in your genitals, maybe you feel it in your heart, maybe you feel it in your belly. It's that, that heat. It's something that you know. I want other. I want something. I want. I want pleasure. I want you know. There's like a um like a, like a hunger. There is what I would describe it as. And I think it's natural for it to uh, constantly change and shift with our, in our in our lifetimes. It, our days in our in in our moments uh so i would i love to invite people to um not shame themselves for the shifts that happen with their libido right say you know last month you was just so vibrant and alive and i was horny all the time and all of a sudden you know something changed at work and i got fired and i'm going through this huge crisis and my libido went out the door and then six months later it still is feeling that way it's where did my libido go i must be broken must be something wrong with me i love my partner i'm attracted to them but i don't want to have sex with them what's up with this and and just to know that um you know it's all it's always a part of you and that you have the ability of the tools to tap back into it but don't get stuck on it being what it once was you know it's, it's this it's this fluid part of ourselves that's constantly unfolding and shifting based on our life experiences and uh, what life is throwing our way and then what we've also experienced in the past. And so Which I think is also beautiful and liberating, but also kind of scary for people. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly as we age, I know there's a lot of um, libido when we're younger. And then as we age, it does definitely diminish. But I know there's some ways that we can work to get back that desire and that hunger for sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I think a lot of what happens for folks is they disconnect from their bodies in some way. So if you are it's something you have some traumatic experience, whether it has to do with sex or not, uh, or just you know, you're grieving or there's st- intense stress, um, you, you go through a process that might involve a disconnection from your body or where your where your sex drive might not be top priority at this moment. So it just gets put on the back burner and. Um, you just start to make it a practice, right? Great sex is a practice with partners. Great sex is also a practice with ourselves. And if we are not having great sex with ourselves, we get out of practice. So how do we start having great sex again with ourselves or with others? We start to practice. So you start these maybe daily practices or maybe you don't want to do it every day. It's just four days a week where um, some ideas could include you set a timer and you have 20 minutes a day where you just you know, put on some sexy music and light some candles or maybe not and put on your sexy booty shorts or I don't know, maybe you don't wear booty shorts. Maybe you're just naked and you just let your hands go wherever they want on your body and start to just feel sensation. And get out of your head and get into your body. This is the main issue that I see with people in sex. Like, Why can't I orgasm with my partner? Why am I so insecure? Why this? Why that? Why am I not feeling all this pleasure? you're in your head and you're asking those questions while you're being touched so it's starting to really come back into the body into 
retrain yourself to stay a hundred percent. And okay, that's a lie. Most of us can't stay a hundred percent because we have very busy minds, right. but as cl- close to a hundred percent, um, present as possible with the sensation and the feelings that come in with the touch of our own hands or sex toys or a partner. Um, and then when your mind comes in, you say, Oh, there's my mind and you come back to the touch and you play that game, you go back and forth, but just follow the thread of the sensation. And the more you practice that, the more you will get back into your, your drive, your libido and your sensual body. Wow. That all sounds great. And it doesn't sound like it's too difficult to do now switching gears a little bit. Now let's talk about giving pleasure to other people. Tell us a little bit about that concept of worshiping your partner's pussy or cock. And so that you can give them this unconditional pleasure. Mm. Well, I think what we were talking about before, you asked the question about shame, you know, do penis owners and vulva owners experience shame equally? And I think a lot of people have some sort of shame, but also even aside from shame, there's this idea that we need to show up in a certain way. We can't take up too much space. We can't take too long. You know, is our partner enjoying what they're doing when they're sucking my cock or, or, you know, does my, does my pussy smell bad? All of those things. So I think, um, some things that I really love, first of all, is let your partner know how much you love pleasuring them. But do it in a way where it's not pressuring for them. Like if you can say, you know, I just love pleasuring you. Like I could just do this all day. I don't even need to get anything out of this. I just want to like, I just want to worship you and adore you and just like pamper you and make you feel good. Just, just like sit back and relax. That's wonderful. When people say, "Hey, I want to make you come," uh, that can be a yeah. lot of pressure, yeah. right? Got it. If it, you know, if you're someone who your worthiness is based on, and this is common for people, for a lot of people actually, your their worthiness is based on your performance of making your partner orgasm. They might not orgasm because of that, yeah. because it can be a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. So it's it's more of like creating this this safety for them to just sit back, relax, and be like, "Oh my God, I am so worthy of receiving." This, this person just wants to pleasure me because it just feels good to pleasure me and they're not even trying to get anything from me. Exactly. Um, and of course, it can always lead to sex at some point, but uh, I think when you create those opportunities, it makes a big difference. Uh, so yeah, so I could do this all day. Oh my, your pussy smells so good, tastes so good. I love the taste of your pussy. I love the taste of your cock. Oh my, your co- I love your cock in my mouth. Your cock feels so good in my mouth. Oh, I just like I just can't wait to have your cock in my mouth later today. Just is it five o'clock yet? Are you coming home? These are you could text message this. Yeah, you can voice mode. Yeah. So. Yeah, Carol's really good at that. She um she's definitely a pleasure <laughs> giver person, right. unless she's um in the other role where I love giving her pleasure, <laughs> but she loves telling me how much she loves sucking my cock, and she does it for her, even though it's good for me. But she gets so into it, and mm-hmm. and knowing that she's getting into it and she's wants to do it is a big turn on for me. Yeah, absolutely. I love mm-hmm. worshiping a cock and and just not even wanting to do anything else, just loving that cock, every piece of it, every side of it, every angle every everything all the parts of it and my balls too yeah your balls your balls cock, your anus all of that stuff and just doing it because i love doing it and i would say well if you're getting something out of it good because i'm just loving mm-hmm. this you know that's yeah. all fine and there was certainly no ple- no pressure in that kind of um pleasure giving but i remember when i first met david we've been together 15 years and when i first met david is when i really started learning about my own body i actually really came into my sexuality after meeting david and at the beginning i had a really hard time 
accepting pleasure because I told you I love worshiping cock. And now for me to reverse that and lie back and let him do it, I had a hard time. It was and a little bit of a conflict because I yeah, love eating yeah. pussy and all I wanted to do was eat her pussy right. and all she wanted to do was suck my cock. So that's where 69 came in. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also worried and probably shame was doing that at the time that I wasn't going to come fast enough. I wasn't maybe going to have that orgasm that he's expecting or that he was used to, um, etc. And I did have a hard time at the beginning. And it took me a while, I would say the first year of having sex with David, he really taught me so much about my own body, and letting go and letting someone pleasure me. So I understand completely where you're coming from that. And I guess you learned also that you didn't pressure me into having an orgasm. And then I learned how to just enjoy the pleasure. And then the orgasm would usually come anyways. And now when we're in swinger situations and we're in giant orgies, Carol's at the bottom of the pile, (laughs) allowing everybody to pleasure her. I learned. I'm a good (laughs) learner. (laughs) You really learned. Wow, you're a quick learner. (laughs) I went from one end of the scale to the other. But literally when I met David, I couldn't even orgasm at my own free will. It took a lot of effort for me to orgasm and I never used to really bother too much about it um, and but he was insisting that we just need to work on and, it don't and, worry and now yeah. you know you squirt at the drop of oh I know I can orgasm in 30 seconds and squirt and 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 so yeah <laughs> it's all good so that's what we talked about practice right I did a lot of practicing yep. <laughs> practice makes perfect yeah. or it gets you it gets you far along the way it's it really is it right. you get what you put into yeah. it I guess some people are born like do you having easy access to orgasms, but a lot of us are not. I'm, I'm certainly have had to do the work as well. So I totally understand what that's all about. And do you have any tips and tricks that you can give our audience about how to give pleasure, um, some, something interesting or different to pleasure your partner in a different way? Well, one thing that I love to remind folks is to slow the fuck down <laughs> because and goes and we probably said this in your podcast last time we were here but i'll say it again like go slower than slow but go slower than whatever you thought that was and not all the time fast and hard serves a time and place but um, we really do feel a lot more sensation when we slow down there's a lot available there or we actually miss a lot of sensation when we move really fast and um, so my advice would be, and especially if you're a penis owner who wants to worship a pussy or pleasure a pussy, you know, pussies are receiving orifices and they are often very used to having things shoved inside of them. Tampons, maybe penises, maybe fingers, maybe their own fingers. I don't know. But a lot of times they, um, they have had experiences where there hasn't been this just slow, gentle, uh, respectful, you know, let me wait for you to open up and, and receive me and allow me and invite me and I'm going to take my time and we're in no rush kind of experience. So if you really want to up your pussy pleasuring game, slow the fuck down. When you were taking your hand, please take a well-lubed hand, first of all. I personally love Uber lube, but just I just, just lube in general, well-lubed hand. Just do what Midori, sex educator, calls the pussy hug and just cup the outside of the vulva, so the outside of the pussy with your hand. And just hang out there for like 20, 30 seconds and let the bodies acclimate to each other. And you're also letting the pussy know, I'm not trying to rush you. I'm just here with you. The skin on skin contact, the the temperatures acclimate to each other. Then you can start some very slow strokes and you regard the pussy. And the same thing goes for the cock, by the way. Uh, Just bring them both in here. Um, You Look at it as a massage as opposed to, I'm just going to like rub you and just burn your clit off. Or, and, and again, if, 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 although if your partner says 
harder, faster, fucking go harder and faster. Yeah. Do what they say, right? Whether it's a penis or a vulva, do what if they're telling you what they want, please do what they, they're doing. But I think a lot of people do not explore the really slower aspects and look at pleasuring um, pussies and penises as more of like a mis- I'm talking about specifically with hands, but even with your mouth can be like you're almost like massaging these parts of the body and like you can do like kneading and just really like slow stroke and using your whole hand or your whole tongue or like or the you know the soft the voluptuousness of your lips um and on on penises and, and vulvas so uh and if you don't know what that feels like go get a professional massage and pay attention to how they take their time with you they warm you up they don't just start rubbing really hard right away on your back they really and let the skin on skin acclimate. They use a lot of oils and then they work. They take the time to build you up before the more uh, intense simulation. And that's, I think, how penetration and general genital touch should be at least for the first five minutes, maybe longer. Now, those sound great, especially for those kinds of partners like I was, where you're a little bit afraid or you're not sure of yourself. It's a really nice way to start. But is there other things that you can do if your partner is like uncomfortable, like receiving pleasure? What else can you do? Yeah, if your partner is a little uncomfortable or it's hard to receive pleasure, that probably is some sort of block. They're in their heads. Um, so you, I would also say, don't just go for the genitals, like make it about their whole body. In fact, say, you know what? I'm going to, I love your genitals. Your genitals are beautiful. I can't wait to get to them, but we're going to save them for tomorrow. I'm going to go all over the whole rest of your whole body here. And just, and I just want you to just receive this. This is just for you. I don't, and I don't need anything. And if your partner keeps feeling like they can't relax or let go, you can just remind them like this. This is a gift for you. You don't have to do anything here. Um, I think when we take the genitals or sex off the table, um, off the massage table, then <laughs> it actually can help to relieve some of that pressure. And, and when we make it about the whole being and the whole body, it can invite people to receive and relax more. Um, I know that I experienced this in sex. and um, Or you ever had that experience? Have you ever, have you, have either of you ever had sexological body work, like genital, you paid for genital touch of any sort? No. Um, okay. I have, um, but it's more, it's more for like healing and, but there's pleasure in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, every, everyone wants to know that is look up sex, sexological body workers. They're all over the world and you're paying them to touch your genitals and help you figure out where you have pleasure, pain, numbness, um, or learn more about your body or heal your body. And what I've learned in that is like, wow, oh my God, I actually experience more pleasure because I don't have to do anything for this person. Right. I don't owe them anything. I'm paying them. Yeah. And so I say create an environment in your partnership with with if, if receiving is hard for someone or orgasms or pleasure where they feel like they don't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. And, and at least for one night a week or, you know, at least create some of those experiences so that they can let go and surrender. Wow. All of that's really good advice. I mean, because when we met and I was in my 40s and I would never had that kind of information. And I didn't even realize that I would have a, a difficulty receiving pleasure. It never even dawned on me because David was very different from my ex-husband in bed. Obviously, we didn't have great sex. And he's David's an amazing lover. So the difference there is just that I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And David just took his time. And even though it did probably take a little while until I figured it out. Um, no, he was very patient. And you probably did all of those things just automatically because you're such a good lover. And I like going Boy, slow. David, like how did you time. learn, though? Yeah. How did you learn? I want to know how David learned to be a good lover, though, because I'm always fascinated by men who learn how to be 
slow, attentive lovers. You know, it's not about learning how to be just a good lover. It's about respecting people and respecting a person and listening to them and asking them. And, you know, as swingers, um, we learned, uh, you know, everything has to be consensual. And that's just the type of person I was growing up. I, I'm very much a people person. In our relationship, we joke that I'm I'm the f- woman. I'm the female. I like the romance and the intimacy and the yeah. passion. And Carol's like, just to sh- shove me, fuck me hard with that hard cock. <laughs> fuck my cunt, get me off, you know. And we have this nice balance. Like for me to give her a two-hour massage and just touch her body and feel her body and with no sexual anything um expected at the end which it might happen it, it would be wonderful but sometimes for carol to lie there for two hours it's like i can't, just can't do that right can't do yeah. it. i need your cock in me now yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Or, or we need to get yeah. on with something else you know like yeah. it, again yeah. it's about getting out of your head and getting into your body and letting and sometimes like, and sometimes you don't need to get onto something else you yeah. can just be present in that yeah. moment yeah and that's really what the most important thing is Now, all of us want to be desired and we all have a level of desire for our partners. But what would you say to a couple that, for example, uh, she doesn't have the level of desire for him that he would expect? And and how do you fix that? That we call a desire discrepancy. And by the way, this is so common. I mean, I don't know anyone who's been in a long term relationship that hasn't experienced at least at some point um, in that long term relationship. And so just to know you're normal, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're not, you're actually not unusual. Um, and so this is sex in, in relationships that are constant dance and negotiation. It's a constant conversation, but a lot of people are not having these conversations. They just do and be instead of say, Hey, whoa, we haven't had sex for the last month. This seems What's what's going on here, or is there something we need to talk about, or how are you feeling about this? Are you liking this fact that we're not having sex, or are you wanting more sex? Are you wanting less sex? Um, so the first thing is acknowledge it and have the hard conversation of talking about it if it feels important to you. Now, if sex isn't important to you, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but because <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, there are some couples who are two, you know, two people get together where sex isn't really that important to them, and that works. Um, but you're probably not listening to the Sexy Lifestyle podcast, so. Um, so other than that, if you know, for, for folks who are in that, that place where you're one's wanting more than the other or less than the other, you look at it as not like a business conversation, not like, okay, I'll give you X amount of for X, you know, don't, don't make it dry like that. Make it a loving conversation where you voice what your wants, your needs and desires are. Here's what I want. Here's how far I'm willing to lean in and here's where I will not go or I can't go or where if I go there, it's going to feel really bad. That crosses my boundaries. I don't feel alive over there, right? So, hey, if my want is I want to have sex three times a week, I can lean into only having sex like one time a week, but I also still need to get like a lot of snuggles. Mm -hmm. What I cannot do is go like two weeks without sex I will feel and what and, and what and then also define what sex is too what does that mean is that penetration is that genital touch is that making out is that so just getting having opening the doors for these conversations of um, expanding your idea of sex is understanding what your partner thinks sex is how often and how much they want it and then working together and the leaning in part is important right if you get a hard no you have to honor your hard no You know, like if your body's like, oh, no, I am not wanting this cock inside of me today. Please honor that. But we often a lot of times we get kind of like, and I don't know, I'm not really like feeling that 
that spicy right now. There's some room there perhaps to get more into our bodies and to lean into our partners. It doesn't mean you have to go for penetration, but it's this, this negotiation of, hey, here's what I'm available for in this moment. Let's explore that and then see what happens next as opposed to it always has to go to this one place. I think it's what happens for a lot of people is they think sex needs to always go to orgasm and penetration. Mm -hmm. And the people who don't want to always go there start to pull away, feel too pressured. They shut down. Um, And when you expand it beyond that, I think there's so much more potential for endless great sex. Yeah, absolutely. And with the communication involved at the same time, I know from my experience is that when, uh, for example, uh, you want to be touched, you don't necessarily want to have your tit grabbed or your ass grabbed. You just don't, maybe you just want that hug. You go in for the hug and next thing you know, he's grabbing your ass. No, I just wanted a hug. And it's good to say that to your partner because then every time you go for a hug, I'm expecting him to grab my ass and now, okay, he wants sex. His cock is hard and there you go. It's it's the same thing with a kiss. You know, sometimes you just want to have lips on lips and a nice passionate kiss and the other person is shoving their tongue down your throat and trying to pull out your tonsils. And at certain points, that's hot and horny. But sometimes you just, like you said, you want that hug, that cuddle and that, that the connection. Yeah, connection, exactly. Yeah. And especially if you haven't had connection with your partner, let's just say the week is up and you haven't had a chance because you've been busy, like life is crazy busy. And now the first time you have a minute together and the first thing you do is you grab each other's genitals. Well, or it's okay if you're both doing it simultaneously. I meant with one grabs the other one. It's also a lot, a lot nicer to sit and relax and get the arousal. Women aren't instantly aroused. It takes some time. And just grabbing her tits or grabbing her pussy is not going to give her arousal. Rubbing the back, the shoulders, talking nicely, you know, being gentle, having that beautiful kiss, that could get things aroused and get things started. That's not to say that every once in a while that mad, passionate, I want you now, throw the clothes on the floor, do it on the kitchen counter oh, yeah. isn't a bad thing. Oh, no. But as long you, as you, you got to feel it. the moment. Right, exactly. Right. As long as you both want it. Yeah, exactly. No, that's all cool. Yeah. This is an amazing discussion. We're just going to take another break and remind everybody that we are Carolyn David. This is a sexy lifestyle. We're having an amazing discussion with sex and relationship coach Amy Baldwin. And coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. Absolutely. So I mentioned a little bit earlier about our favorite place on the planet, which is Hito 2 in Jamaica. And, you know, it's definitely one of our favorite places to be. We want to remind everybody that they're having their repeat offenders event from December 16th to 26th, when Hito is going to be celebrating with all their loyal, sexy and erotic guests. And, of course, with some of the lowest rates of the year, delicious Jamaican food, sexy entertainment, and, of course, their sexy and award-winning staff. But listen to this. We're so excited to tell everyone that we're going to be at Hedo from January 15th to March 28th. Yep, most of the winter we're going to be there naked on the beach and we're going to be broadcasting on location. So come and join us for a week or even more. And maybe you can be one of, the, one of our guests on our podcast. We can't wait. We just can't wait to be back at our home, back to Hedo. It's going to feel so good to be naked on the beach again. And you can just visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, to stay informed about all the sexy and open-minded events that are happening in your area and around the world. All righty. You know we're Carolyn David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. And you know we love getting down and dirty with our guests when we're talking about great sex. So, Amy, tell us a little bit about your sexual evolution growing up. I understand that you were definitely in an open-minded household, but how did your sexuality come about? 
So let's see. Um, I would say, yes, open-minded household. Sex wasn't a shameful thing. There was this understanding that I would have sex someday by both my parents, and that it was not a, a bad thing. My mom told me when I was 13 or 14, so before I was sexually active, that when I wanted to uh, to become sexually active, I could come to her and get on birth control. My When I had boyfriends, you know, I was 15 or 16, um, when I had boyfriends and when I was you know, 15 or 16, um, my dad just really didn't care. Actually, he would just, like, they could be in my room. We could do whatever we wanted. Um, although I would say there's a there's a shadow side to that. Like, I think everyone also still kind of wants their parent to be there and to be somewhat present for them. So at any rate, sex wasn't bad. It was something that I was going to do and it was safe and that could come to them. Uh, if I needed support, but I still didn't learn about pleasure. Like I learned about all of the safer sex stuff, but the pleasure stuff I had to learn through trial and error. And it took many, many years to learn that I was worthy of pleasure, that how to, how to receive pleasure. My first couple of sexual partners never went down on me. I went down on them. I didn't ask them to go down on my pussy. How young were and they you? didn't offer it. I was, uh, I think, 16 was probably like when it started when I first started having penetrative sex and that's also when I think I gave oral sex when I was maybe 15 um, so I gave a blowjob before I had penetrative sex and I didn't receive oral sex until I was probably 17 or 18 wow. mm-hmm. and it created a bit of a receiving barrier mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier Carol and you know like this idea that um, it's like I, that almost I don't deserve it. And so I had to really, really work through that. Um, and of course, becoming a sex educator. Part of the reason why I chose this also is so I didn't understand my body and I wanted to learn all of this. So, um, yeah, I've just learned that the more time and energy I put in, into learning about sex, trying new things, the more in wild, juicy, delicious sex I can have. Uh, but I just have to do that do that work and that practice and it has been a journey and I will do it for the rest of my life. Wow, that's great. Now, what's your current relationship like? And sex life. Yeah. And, and sex life. My current partner, uh, we've been together for a little over a year now and uh, is so funny. Uh, he's a podcast fan. He actually started listening to Shameless Sex to help, to help his marriage uh, that was not going so well. The sex <laughs> life wasn't going so well. And he's like, oh, listen to this podcast. Maybe it'll help my marriage. Well, it didn't help the marriage. The marriage still ended. And, and, but they've been together for 20 years since they were like 19 years old. So those, I mean, generally speaking, these day and age, those marriages don't, I mean, the sex life in those marriages, we change so much. Right. I, I, yeah, who I was when I was 19, oh my God. Yeah. So, um, so he was a, he was a, uh, a fan boy and, um, he, but he didn't reach out to me or, although he did send, uh, email to shameless sex to try to be a guest in our podcast. Um, because he's an attorney and wanted to do something about um, talking about sexting for teens, et cetera. Anyways, um, but he, I met him actually going walking in a local yoga studio, and I just said something, and there was this guy, and he's these short shorts, he's like hot short shorts, he's all sweaty, and he, I, and I was like, oh, he's a yoga teacher, and he, he said, shameless sex. Wow, said, he yes, recognized your voice. Yeah, I was like, is it the hair? He said, no, it's your voice. I know wow, your voice. I listen to your wow. podcast. And, and it wasn't for another uh, month that we started dating, uh, but I was like, oh, he's kind of hot. He actually teaches yoga, hot yoga too, but he's um, but he's a criminal defense attorney. So anyways, um, we've been together. I'm pretty, we are so aligned. It's, I feel like I've put in so much work in some really hard 
relationships or unaligned relationships to learn how to be this person I am today to meet him and for him to meet me in, in all the work that he's done like that wow. we've that we've like finally met our person where we're like oh my god and including sex and desire and communication and all those things and we have uh, really really beautiful wild hot slow fast hot, all the sex <laughs> you know all the all the varieties of sex. Sometimes we, um, I just, we just kind of hang out there and I just want him to just have his cock inside me and not move. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, and we, and we are monogamous, but we have, um, a desire to go to sex parties and probably play with other people together. Um, but we can't really do that right now because of COVID. Right. So, right. Someday we'll yeah. get there. So, Amy, so, maybe, maybe you... we'll go to Hedonism, though. Yeah, yeah come visit sure. us at Hedo um, yeah. during the winter. Uh, we'll introduce you, and uh, it's it's a great place for people to um, dip oh, their toes yeah. in the water because you don't have to swing there, you don't have to play there, you don't have to be naked, but you can if you want to. Right, on all three counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. And, and you know, I mean, I found the same way when I met David. I really found I met my soulmate, my my partner in crime, and of course, we've been together fifteen years now. And um, I didn't even know that that would be possible. And that's the kind of fun thing about it, right? It's so rewarding and uh, always amazes me that, you know, if I had met David, uh, I don't know, when I was younger, we probably wouldn't have clicked. It had to be the hardships that we went through, like you said, in order to get us to this place where we, we would be in a space to open up to the other one and, and really click. So that's, I'm, I'm happy for you is all I want to say. Yeah, that's yeah, good. good. Very cool. Finally, ever. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, very, very, very cool. Now, as a sex educator, um, do you think you have an easier time at relationships compared to, let's just say, the average Joe out there? I wouldn't necessarily. So I wouldn't say it's my sex educator skills that make it so that I have an easier time in relationships. I would say that my uh, education in um more like my psychological background, so my uh, ways to uh, communication skills. I've done a lot of trainings on communication skills that comes more from a psychotherapy perspective. That I think makes me an easy person to be in a relationship with. Um, and because I have put in a lot of time and work to know how to communicate lovingly and clearly and to not be reactive uh, and to slow down and to um, also own up to when I don't do things perfectly. And I've had past partners that were wonderful teachers of this as well. Um, And I have been in plenty of relationships where it was very hard as well. And I have been in plenty of relationships with people who were very, at first thought it was very exciting to be with a sex educator. Oh, it's so fun. She owns a sex shop. And then they were threatened later because I talked about anal sex publicly <laughs> so often. And, um, so I I've it. experienced all of that, right? And, and so it's it just it's just some people. I, I think I'm a little threatening in that way. But when you get to know me, you're like you're just kind of like a weird, goofy girl that mm-hmm. is awkward and likes to learn about and talk about sex just like the rest of us. So when it came to anal sex, you said I- I'm not threatening. You know, I'll start really small and then we'll work <laughs> yeah. up to the big one. <laughs> I'll use lube. That's take right. My time. Lube, 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 and more Well, lube. talking about that, I mean, you're the expert in sex toys. Let's talk about what your favorite toys are. I have been in love with the suction style toys for the clit. So there's the brands, the Womanizer and Satisfier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carol's a fan too. I'm, I've fallen in love with them, um, and and I specifically like it on the left side of my clitoris, so not right on my clit on the the left side of my clitoris and it's like 
it's the for something about these toys that do they don't overstimulate me so I can have orgasm after orgasm after orgasm whereas just the regular vibrating ones it's not that these ones don't vibrate they have a light suction and they vibrate mm-hmm. but the regular vibrating ones they can numb me out um, pretty quickly so I'm a huge fan of these these toys they've been on the market for maybe three or four years yeah. now yeah. Something like that. You, you know what I love about the womanizer and Carol will tell you what she likes about it but what I love about it is I get to lie there because the womanizer is not about the guy or the satisfier. It's about the woman self-pleasuring herself. And I sit there and I watch her self-pleasure, masturbate, do whatever she does. I mean, she could have five, six, seven orgasms. And I'm sitting there and she'll say, suck my nipple, give me a kiss, rub my body, rub my arm, exactly what she wants to feel. It's all about her and her moment. And a lot of times after we've fucked and I've come and, you know, I'm done, it allows her the time to have a second or third or fourth orgasm. And it's just so beautiful and so passionate to watch her just take care of herself while I'm there. I mean, it's not a threat to me. And it, it's the best sex we ever have. Always, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel this, the same way. Sometimes I will use the um, the womanizer satisfier while my partner is inside of me at the same time. And it can be amazing. Or I'm using it on my, on my own. And then I'm like, I need you inside of me right now. When mm-hmm. I'm orgasming, I'm like, fuck me right now. Um, and sometimes it's just my own experience. But I really, really love those toys. And, um, and I just love it. I love butt plugs. I'm a big fan of butt plugs. I like, um, I, I just love, the I had I've always been it's so interesting when I was 16 17 17 I had had sex at that point with two different people I didn't even talk to my partner at that time about anal sex I don't know how I learned about it I just knew I wanted to try it and we were having regular vaginal penetrative sex and I just like slipped his cock in my ass Uh and without telling him he's like oh I guess we're doing this that's not usually how it happens like usually isn't the woman that's just like I'm gonna try this without your consent so sorry partner I think he was into it but still that wasn't consensual but um so I've always been interested in like butt stuff was hot and I just like uh butt plugs for relaxing the ass um I love uh ones that are also like stainless steel ones like the enjoy ones the metal line that look kind of intimidating but I love the shape of them the coldness of them and the hardness of them and I love that when sex toys can also kind of be like little art pieces Mm -hmm. Nice jewelry. I want like an arsenal butt plug. Yeah. yeah. Or like or like the butt bling. Oh yeah, that's yeah. sexy. Like yeah. a like a butt uh Savarsky crystal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about any tails? Have you ever done butt plugs with tails? I personally haven't worn tails. I've put tails in someone else's ass just for fun, but I've never been in like a, a tail person. I'm, I'm not like a huge role play y kind of person and sometimes the tails feel role play ish um but yeah i have some friends that are really into the tails like fox tails and various things and i think they look sexy uh, i'm not a big i'm not a hard no though so maybe i'll go order one after the show and go try one my partner says <laughs> there you go oh, this is all great stuff we're getting to the end of the show and we really like to leave our audience with some final advice so i'm going to ask you this what would you say would be the top two ways that couples could improve their communication skills so that they could have some great sex tonight Okay, the first one I'm going to say is uh, is actually kind of confusing. It's going to say actually talk less, um, but not about all the things. But ha- try having a night where you actually just like sit there and um, and connect, maybe even in silence, and just look at each other and explore and see what you actually hear without saying anything. Um, I think that that th- and this is just an exploration, right? You don't have to do this all, all the time. 
but we're so used to words and sounds. And in fact, we can actually learn to feel and hear our partner and understand and communicate through feeling um, in a way that can be really sensual and sexy. So maybe you just like for a half an hour, we're just going to touch and like make sure you probably want to do a lot of eye contact for this, but touch and connect and see if we can hear each other and what the other person is wanting and how they're wanting to connect and then move together in that way. Just try it out. See what happens. If you don't like it, you don't have to ever do it again, but you might learn something new. Um, another one kind of goes with what we were talking about earlier about how, um, you know, sometimes you just want to hug and then they go right for your genitals. Um, I would say sit down and get really clear on not just what sex means to you, but also what different types of touch mean to you, like what they actually feel or look like to you and when you want them. Right. So if you broke touch down into therapeutic touch, so that's like massage or when you rub your shoulders or your feet make you feel good. Loving touch, that's a hug, or maybe I like caress your cheek. Sensual touch, that's like I'm mean, rubbing my hands slowly on, on your arm, rub your neck. And sexual touch is, you know, genitals or something sexual, but also it could be, you know, kink or there's, there's so many things. And it, that one is, <laughs> that one can be anything to anyone, right? But ask, have this conversation with your partner. What are all these types of touch? What do they what do they mean to you, right? Is sexual touch to me can be someone grabbing my wrist, looking me in the eyes and saying my name. Yeah. Could be sexual. Whereas to someone else it might not be. Right. And at what times do I want that? And how often do I want that? So that we have this understanding so that sex doesn't always mean one type of touch or that we don't miss out on some types of touch that are really important to us. And then we just get a better understanding of what our partner wants and desires. Wow. Wow. That's very, very, very good advice. It's simple. It's clear. And you think, well, duh, that sounds so obvious. <laughs> Why didn't I think about that? So, wow. Thanks so much for sharing all that great advice. Absolutely. Uh, why, Amy, why don't you take a minute and tell everyone how they can find out about um, your website, your podcast, where you are on social media. All the things. The best way to find me and my co-host April is on Shameless Sex, either podcast, you look up Shameless Sex on all the podcast apps. You can go to Instagram and look up Shameless Sex Podcast. We are on there. We are also on Facebook. If you go to shamelesssex.com, that's where you can also find our podcast. You can find our blog. You can find my information on the coaching that I do. Um, there's also my my mother-daughter owns sex shop link there, purepleasureshop.com. But the best way really is Look up Shameless Sex Podcast. There we are, half naked. And I know Carol's half. You're, you're both half naked everywhere, too. <laughs> oh, we're a whole bunch of half naked people, sometimes fully naked. Uh, but yeah, very easy to find. Love it. Less. And remember that if you've missed any of this information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all of their information. You can even contact them if you have any questions about their work. And we are, all, as always, learning more and more every week from all our expert guests. And of course, we hope you do, too. Yeah, we just want to take a minute to remind everybody about our new friends and our partnership with altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. And if you're looking for an online, open-minded community to find compatible people and events in your area, you should join alt altplayground.net. It's a lifestyle site that's expanding to include lots of amazing lifestyle resources that will connect you with other like-minded folks. And of course, remember to stay sexy and stay healthy and follow all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities. Wash your hands, avoid touching your face, practice social distancing, and please continue to wear your mask and listen to our show. Don't forget that and visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com. And if you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolyndavid.com. 
Well, that's it for our show today. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. And of course, we want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. And join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. Remember, stay safe. And of course, stay sexy. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.